If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. You've been doing that, like trying to hit everybody on a high I'm note. I'm trying to get my voice... Like yeah, yours. there it is. Uh, for the first thirty minutes, uh, we do our typical uh, chit chat. Uh, me and Adam, chit and chat, went alone on an LA adventure. Oh yeah, and you missed me uh, miserably. Find out in this episode if we uh, killed each other or if we became closer. Hmm. Then we talk about Adam's train of thought and how he uh, lost his train of thought or his methods that he does to pot- cover it. It was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we talk about how we almost died. In an Uber, we talk about Tom Bilyeu's Beverly Hills mansion. It was amazing. We met Dr. Drew there, Dr. Ramachandran, awesome person. We also mentioned uh, the probiotic that I started using for Organifi. By the way, uh, you get a discount on Organifi products. If you go to OrganifiShop.com and just enter the code Mind Pump. And Adam also talks about Brain FM. That's Brain.FM forward slash mind pump there's a direct link right on our, our page right so, on our page yeah, if you go to mindpumpmedia.com there's a, cl- a direct link so you don't have to put all that bullshit forward slash backslash shit in exactly yeah, easier yeah. pain in the ass then we get into the questions the first question is why do humans fear change and what can we do about that then we talk about a six foot two 215 pound bodybuilder who's trying to make the transition from bodybuilding adam wrote his own question in here into functional training uh, we give them advice on how to do that. Then we ask the question about deload weeks. What are those and when should you implement them in your training? And finally, somebody asked us a question. They actually have one arm that's uh, smaller than the other. What should they do to balance them out so that they look more symmetrical? Or are you fucked? And finally, this month, get access to our private forum. Remember, there's only there's 2,000 members on our forum many of which are personal trainers, fitness professionals, and of course, me, Adam, and Justin are on there daily. You get free access this month if you enroll in any MAPS program or any of our bundles, including our one year's worth of programming bundle, the MAPS Super Bundle. One year? Are you out of your mind? I mean, it's super. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. It basically takes your entire year and maps it out. Makes it incredible. With uh, nice plan words, so. you like that with yeah. phased workouts all planned out for you. Uh, and also, by the way, the forum will actually be going up in price in September as well. So, this please is a great, don't say this that's is a, the case. This is a great promotion. The place to enroll in all of this is mindpumpmedia.com. Dude, when we're we were uh at the Tom Billy's event or whatever, and we're meeting people. And uh, I'm like, hey, let me get your number because I'm trying to get contacts and stuff, right? Yeah. And Adam's just jumping in. He's like, yeah, he wants to send you dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> First time meeting uh, these guys, too. I'm talking, <laughs> I can see that, dude. <laughs> I, I, I told Especially, you. yeah, when you're in I said, Sal, don't send these guys dick pics. I, I know that works sometimes, but it's yeah. like, <laughs> they, they started dying laughing. They're like, no, go ahead. Send them, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to waste your data. Oh, my God. <laughs> but... <laughs> But uh, these people must have loved you guys. Yeah. No, dude, we had a uh, God, what a productive, short, slammed trip we had. It, like, it, it gave me a little taste 
of t- back in the days working at 24, dude. It was like this. It's that same hustle. That same hustle. Yeah, we showed but up. Different, but we different, We went straight, right? bro. Yeah. The plane lands. Back we get then the- it was a Fedra. That's what kept us going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, the plane lands. We drive immediately from the from the airport to the first interview, uh, which was Luke's uh, podcast. We get yeah. on that one. It's late by the time we get home. Go to sleep. Wake up. Go well, to they, an 8 a.m. Well, one. they have a... Speaking of Luke, so we'll run you through what that was like, right? We get there, and he's got a videographer. He's streaming this live on Instagram and Facebook simultaneously. Oh, dude, he's going crazy. Both? There's yeah. cameras wow. everywhere. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you guys looked at his Instagram one, but, but it was clean. He actually dug... You go check this out on Amazon. For the iPhone and for the iPad... He, you can put these little. They're only like oh, it's like an, like a microphone extension or something. Microphone like that. extension and a a lens extension. So it shoots a and you just put it over the the iPhone and you just hmm. put it over the iPad. That's cool. And it gives you like this better shot. And it looks this was the amazing. fashion guy, Luke? the lifestylist yeah. podcast. Yeah, and, well, and he for sure was. And he's not a he's not a uh, what kind of fashion did he do? He did. It was fashion. It was close. Clothes, clothes, close. Yeah. I thought he was a hairstylist. When we first read up on him, and I didn't, and I didn't realize that till like after we've been talking. You for could him. tell though when you go into his house, uh, a heterosexual this, hairstylist. Yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. no. Well, he was on one of the few heterosexual wardrobe stylists. He said yeah. he was oh, one of the few I ones. See. But we get to his house, and it's uh, you can tell he's got impeccable style. Hmm. There's nude photos of women all over the walls, everywhere, everywhere, and it was on the, awesome on his coffee table wow. there was the big book of breasts. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, I saw that in your Insta story. He's got a thing. He's okay. got a thing going on. But anyway, right. we're, we're doing this podcast. We're having a good time. One of the Probably one of my favorite moments podcasting ever. Hmm. At the moment, I don't realize what happened. Oh, wow. God. That's how I'm good jealous. Adam was. Are you going to tell these guys this? I have to tell them about your brilliant. <laughs> yeah, you, okay, we'll because call it that. You are, dude. You're very good at this. This was. I did not realize what you were doing until after when you told me, and then I couldn't stop laughing. So Adam's talking. <laughs> he's telling his story. And I can't wait till the podcast comes out because now people will know. As he's telling <laughs> he's the story, put me out there. In front he's talking too. right, so he's like blah 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 blah, and he goes, oh, 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 and he's he like pulls his mic away from his mouth, and he's like, oh, and he grabs his water and starts drinking. He's like, I don't know what just happened, and he, oh, and he starts coughing again. So I'm like, oh shit! So I just took over, right? Like, oh here, give me. And I gave Adam my water. <laughs> I gave him my water, and I yeah. took over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Adam's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know what just happened, right? Hmm. So at, at the end of the podcast, we go back to the hotel, and Adam's like. Dude, he goes, I lost my train of thought. And so, <laughs> so you coughed your way out? He yeah. He pretended like he choked on it. Oh, that's a good move. But yeah. I I bought into it so much that I thought that's what happened. I'm like, oh, fuck, here's my water, dude. Are you okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? After that, we learned that, the, you know, Sal We and have I, a signal now. We have just to start have a, sneezing. We have to have a signal. Try that. I, I, try, I have this thing, right? When we're when we're in here, and it, this rarely ever happens when it, all three of us together, because with all three of us, someone always has something to say, so it's rarely ever. But I do notice this when there's just two of us, it changes the dynamic, right? Totally. You know? So there there is moments where, you know, one of us is carrying the conversation longer than we normally would, and I've told Sal there's times where I'm talking and I and I lose my train of thought and I'm still feeling dead space and I'm trying to give oh, him God. trying to give him the look with my eyes. Isn't like, that awkward now? I experienced the same thing being on Josh Trent's uh, episode. It was just like this dead space. I was like so uncomfortable with it that I had to like I was like immediately thinking of things to fill with it. You right. know? I'm just like oh, you know like trying to get involved because I'm like no 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 don't let this happen. Right. No, that's no, what, so go ahead. This, yeah that's what I was and I'm giving Sal like this, this look like I'm looking in his eyes like trying 
trying to like tell him like it, you know you have subconsciously I'm trying to tell him He's trying to use telepathy <laughs> I'm trying to use telepathy <laughs> I'm like talking but I'm like looking like bro I don't know where I'm going right now <laughs> give <laughs> you know? me the wrap up music so he just so he just starts choking yeah so I just start choking. <laughs> like, she just as you're talking she just <laughs> dude it was so we have a sign, sign now we're gonna be okay that'll never happen again we'll yeah. be alright we should have sign language I think oh, we should yeah. all oh, learn you it you know it's funny you can't do it with yeah, that yeah I can't no do you it. can't actually it's better because you'll just do this while you're talking you'll lift one ear off that's a what happens is I think because this has happened to me but it doesn't happen when we podcast I usually don't lose I don't think I've lost my train of thought talking on the podcast but it's happened on video for me and what happens is, and I've identified what happens when I'm talking yeah, on we video. Yeah, talk, you and I talked about this afterwards. Yeah, I'll, I'll be talking on video and then I'll start listening to myself talk and analyzing my own conversation. That's what I do. And that's when I get fucked up. That's what I do talking. I've had to work my way through that. No, you can't do that. Yeah. Don't listen to yourself talking, which is now that I said that, everyone's going to start doing that. I know. You have to just go, be in the moment because the second you start analyzing yourself, then you'll get You fun. lose it. You'll lose it. And you know what's funny? This is what's hap- This is what happens to people who get anxious when they're talking to people and they're in crowds. Mm-hmm. So if you ever talk to somebody who's like, oh my God, I get so anxious when I go to parties, when you kind of boil it down, that's what they do. That As they're talking to an individual, they'll start listening to themselves talk and they're then they'll start to feel- Yeah, and then they'll get really awkward. Yeah. You know what I mean? I used to be horrible at that. You did? Yes, See? yes, yes, yes. See? Yeah, one of my biggest problems I had to overcome. So- I feel like you do that sometimes when you tell stories. Absolutely, I do yeah. that. I feel I like I could stories. see your head. Yeah. I, I feel like I could see your wheel like, spinning. Like, where fuck, are we going with this? In my head, Did this I story, this, this yeah. story was so much cooler in my head. And right now, I'm not taking <laughs> yeah. it. I'm not delivering it the way I know. Uh, Make some shit up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> throw some save bo- me. Throw yeah. some boobies in there. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the clown came out of the closet. Ah! So then the next uh, morning, we met with uh, Jason uh, Frugia. Uh, of Renegade Radio um, and did his podcast, Fucking which is great. cool. I've been meaning to meet that guy. Yeah. yeah, you know, he'd been on our radar, and I told him that, and I'm pretty sure it was you who introduced his podcast to me. When we yeah. first started podcasting, you pointed him out. I remember you were listening to him and Joe Rogan, and you're like, listen to this guy, some of the stuff he covers. Yeah, yeah, it was him and Mike Mahler and kind of that crowd. Yeah, they all, they all were kind of like in that. Well, he's tied to all these athletes. We found, mm-hmm. I mean, he's trained all kinds of pro athletes. His connection to the trainers, though, I mean, he has some pretty cool connects uh, with some of these oh, guys. Joe um, DeFranco, right? Yes, yeah, because he used to work. Uh, like, he was on the East Coast, right? Yes, yeah, so. yes. And then he was he was he started off as a major blogger. So I mm-hmm. mean, most of his uh, business has come from internet marketing and his email list and blogging. So we got it, the podcast was a later transition for him. So he was bigger, more successful, even before the podcast yeah. that you introduced me to him through the podcast and he's a great guy covered a, a, a very similar philosophies, very similar stories. Like as us, as we kind of learn the hard way, doing a lot of stuff the wrong way. And then, and then through digging into the science ourselves have found like the right information and he's trying to get that out there. So, yeah. I mean, we, we definitely saw eye to eye on almost every conversation we talked about and it was just good dialogue, good ass dude, badass place right on Santa Monica. Oh. Oh, he's right. Like you can see the beach. Uh, from throw, his, yeah, from, from his balcony, ba- from his balcony, you could throw a rock and hit the sand. Yeah. Nice. And it's just which, it's, by the way, that beach was 
court because after we finished with him we had like a two-hour break before moving on to the next podcast Mm -hmm. and we were walking along the beach and i mean i know why people live there now you know what i mean it's just it's fucking gorgeous it's it's almost worth all the shitty ass traffic yeah just for that moment and fucking weirdos yeah of that when walking on that that pathway at 75 degrees waves crashing beautiful white sand can we just talk about that though the 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 la style a little bit it's a little pretentious it's a just little. a little. It's a little Come pretentious. Yeah. The fucking dude at the at the hotel who's helping us has got a full on mullet, but he's trying to make it look cool, and everybody's got <laughs> fucking weird, colorful like shoes and all uber this. hipster. And I'm like, oh god, uh, Come I, on. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's like Adam everywhere. Wow. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. Wow. I have my own style, not like that's that. What dude, it, yeah, yeah, right. I have my own flavor. That's there. Yeah, that's true. It reminded me of the 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 whole hotel just felt weird. I mean, there was definitely celebrity uh, coming in and out. Of course, you know, uh, Brianna set us up in a nice place. It was the Lux Hotel, so shout out to them because they do have a nice spot. They do. Great service, great food, everything there. We were pretty happy with. I don't think there was anything we weren't happy with. There's something you were... I was, you know what? The menu, the fucking room service menu could have been a little bit better. Yeah, Other like than that... Four did you guys sleep in the same bed? We did. There, same, were, there were two trying beds. Trying to save money that way. Ooh. Well, no, there were two beds in the room, but... Uh, oh, I see. But yeah, he doesn't like to sleep alone. I don't like cold. to sleep alone. Gets Sal gets cold. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I... I, I Get myself nuzzled underneath his uh, his peck. Doesn't oh, matter. I was yeah. I was big spoon, right which is peck. all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we gotta establish that. And that yeah, was the fork. Hey, <laughs> the fork so, in the uh, road. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then we went and then we met with a smaller podcast. Uh, Christina Rice. Uh, what's the name of uh, actually adultish? It's a, it's a small podcast. She's a 22 year old girl. Very sweet girl. Little fucking hustler. She's I, like a little. Closer. I man. loved her. I loved her. I was so. I really liked her. She was out of the the entire trip. She's like a one man show, dude. She's doing all these different things, and she's got only the she's a woman. So it it's was. A, it's a it's a it's a it's a saying. saying. It's yeah, a saying. Yeah. Yeah. We know what I'm saying. <laughs> woman. Yeah. No, I think that um, at, a, at I mean, I what we what we got when we saw Jay, I expected because I knew more about him, and uh, you know, so I was excited, but I wasn't surprised, right? I wasn't surprised I was gonna like him. I kind of felt like I was gonna like this dude. I would have been more surprised if we didn't hit it off. Yeah, um, knew a little bit about the stylist guy heading over to see Luke. Liked those guys, had a good time, uh, but she was to me the uh, the, the biggest surprise. Because mm. we we almost weren't going to have we barely squeezed that in because of our schedule. Was she and, the one that was a fan uh, or had listened yes, to us? Yes, yes, she's a big time listener. And man, she won. She had great questions. She interviewed great. She brought us cookies. Okay, extra, she made us uh, extra she made credit us, for that, like, like homemade, pa- yes, paleo, keto, uh, I would have been oh, in love. keto, keto friendly cookies. cookies, man, that were oh, wow. bomb. Yeah, oh, wow. so she, and she's a, a food blogger. She's got several pages that have a pretty decent reach, and she's doing this all on her own. Yeah, like it was, it was Super impressive. Gay. She has, she had all game her, she had, game. she had Doug's like lighting setup. She's got the computer set up for her uh, podcasting. So she's doing. All her own, st- all her own videos, all her own photos, all her own audio stuff. She's got multiple Instagram pages. She started it all through a blog. She's starting a new podcast on her own. Also. Just graduated from US UCLA, twenty two years old, and she introduced us. She's moving fast. She introduced us to this genre of people that I just was unaware of. There's a whole food blogger world out there on the internet. Oh yeah, and it's she says it's fucked up. 
She's like, huh. that's what motivated her to start her podcast is she goes, it is crazy. And then she goes, why I was so excited to have you guys on here because I wanted you guys to speak to my audience. And they, I needed them to hear it from you was so many of these girls that are doing the same type of stuff as I am, which is posting pictures of recipes and food and you know blogging about it. And these girls get these large followings because they post food and recipes. And then all of a sudden they become fitness experts and they start telling people how to work out and she goes oh the advice they're giving is horrific most of them have major eating disorders mm-hmm. and and it was which was crazy because it, it sounded just like the bodybuilding world and what we talk about on here so much so and she says it's a large community there's a ton of these large pages that are foodies that blog about food and recipes and most of them have a very poor relationship with food exercise and themselves it kind of makes sense though if it you think about sense. it right like, it makes a lot of like sense. They're so obsessed with food, uh, and it, it's probably because there's, they have a bad relationship with it. But it was it was mind blowing though because I had not met somebody who's living in that world, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, it when she said it, it was like duh, right? Yeah. I mean, when she said it, I felt like of course that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's but- huge popular. You see them all over the place, like all these like accounts that all they do is they post like beautiful picture of food and you know ways to kind of skirt around the amount of sugar that's in this or you know like and, and then that kind of turns into advice to lose weight i well, do see that well that's what she was saying she's saying that these food bloggers who post beautiful pictures of food and make awesome uh, dishes will then get popular you know like at 30 40 50 000 followers and the next thing you know they become wellness experts and she's like and they're not yeah they'll post their workouts and their diets and she's like and they're horrendous mm. and so she was asking us a lot of questions around that and, and you know it's it, again she's just a uh just this little entrepreneurial hustler which i love and of course as when me and adam leave we're like hmm like mm. she could come work Jeez. for us at some yeah. point one day well i was man I, it's know, impressive i love seeing that I love seeing yeah kids no like i that. i i can always tell like when we when we go into an interview like this um like the the skill set, the level of the interviewer, like how good they are, what they do, and she was probably the most impressive. I was really impressed. She was one of the better, one yeah, of the better podcasters. yeah. Because of, I mean, wow. she, there was never dead air. And and Sal and I tend to do this, and I don't know if we do this subconsciously or intentionally, but we'll be like going on a rant and we'll be talking about something, and then we'll like boom. Just shut it off. <laughs> and those that are and really... That fucks with the, and it, the it fucks, yeah. yeah, the interviewer's like, whoa, you, you like, see they're so engaged. Oh, my God. They're, yeah. li- they're listening and they're so much in the conversation. And then Scrambling it, to get that next question. Right, and yeah. then there's also this little bit of, well, okay, so, you know, uh, you know, and then they ask a question, right, where that never happened with her. And we did that multiple times to her, and I thought she carried herself uh, incredible. I thought she did great, man. And at only 22 and handling that, I was so impressed. So impressed with her. Interesting. And uh, we'll definitely, we will be tracking her and paying attention to what she's doing because I think she's got a great, she's getting ready to set, start a second podcast. So she's about to roll two wow. pod. Yeah, no. And Does she have a significant other? Like, uh, no. She, well, nothing we know. We didn't ask about her personal life. Too. Okay. I mean, obviously she's interviewing us, so we didn't get a lot of questions. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. More, more, more than anything else, to be honest, completely, completely honest, Sal and I did very little homework on her heading into mm-hmm. the interview. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, because we were so impressed, we started, started to diving dig- through all her yeah, stuff. Yeah, we started, I was like, because I didn't know what to expect. 
And, you know, and then when I when we got there and realized how much of this that she was managing doing herself, we both were like, dude, this girl. She why? Yeah, I, only, I only asked that because, you know, like if she's like on fire like that, like I wonder what, you know, if she's getting support with that or if she's like all, all on her own, just she's, just killing. She's it, on like, her own, dude. Yeah. yeah. She's on her own. Yeah. She's fucking hustling. That's great. I yeah. really respect that, especially when I see somebody that age doing it because. Most kids, uh, you know, that age are, you know. They're not that motivated. No, either. they're not. And that's just normal. It was like that when we were kids, too. So it's not like this current generation. Were worse. you in the room just right. now, too, before we started Pocket, when I told you her background, what it was, what she what she was doing before this? Yeah. Okay, so she was um, basically what Brianna is for us um, for a blogger. So oh, okay. she was for like a big LA blogger. Yeah, for a big LA blogger. So she was constantly setting the interviews up. And so, you booking. know, that's why me and Adam were thinking like, oh, shit, she could. Yeah. yeah, at some point, come connections help us out. Right? Who knows? Who yeah. knows? But yeah, pretty cool. Um, what'd you guys do where we gone? You guys are bored, huh? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> just moped around. Yeah, Sal, like, oh, Adam, I yeah. miss you. It was all oh, quiet. I cuddled up to a pillow. Yeah. It, was all, it was all quiet in here. <laughs> yeah, right. We, <laughs> we actually, got so much work. We done, were bro. fucking productive as hell. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all kind of split off and worked, you know, separately, and then connected. I think Taylor and. Uh, between Doug, Taylor, and myself, like kind of addressing things with the YouTube, but mainly just working on the website. And we're still really like trying to get that thing overhauled mm -hmm. and, and updated and refreshed. So, um, that that's was off part and running of now, right? Is that, is that, uh... it, I mean, the wheels are turning. Yes, okay. exactly. Excellent. The wheels are turning that. And obviously, I had my big meeting and all that kind of stuff that we kind of alluded to. And, uh, so yeah, so all, all good things and, and, and good energy, you know, so, but it's, it was definitely different, man. It was it was uh, quiet in here. It was, you know, it <laughs> Crickets. Was, it was different just me and Adam, uh, you know, without anybody else either. Which weird is we don't really argue when it's just you and I. If when <laughs> oh, other, is that? Oh, oh yeah. When, when other am, people am I around, the factor there? Uh, and maybe it might be you, it might be Doug. I don't know. When other <laughs> when other people are around, we we fucking you know we get. Out I agree. It. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. See, when, that's what mind pump would be without me. You understand that? Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're handsome. You're handsome. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. What a boring yeah. show. Yeah. It would be. Fucking like clusterfuck. Yeah, it was all. We were yeah. all friends. Oh, I gotta yeah. challenge you guys. All happy. That's, it's like this fucking is boring. We had an Uber driver almost kill us. Well, yeah. yeah, dude. Oh no, fucking yeah. the Russian, the Russian driver. Uh, oh my god, he's just like super aggressive. Bro, he drove across four lanes of traffic, drove just straight across meow. and yeah, stopped perpendicular to the traffic. Right, and cars oh are fucking god. beaming towards us. Maybe that's what he has to do though down there. You know, it's, Bro, it's crazy. I don't give a fuck. He it was, he got <laughs> stuck. Okay, so imagine right, it's a four four lanes, two going this way, two going the opposite way. And he's crossing us uh, uh, through this, and he stops in the middle of it. Oh, my God. So cars are coming this way at us and this way at us, <laughs> and he's not moving. Like, literally, people are slamming their brakes, laying on their horn. Just checking and, his email. And Sal and I, we just, we got, just got in. That was the first move. He picked us up from the hotel, yeah, took true. us across four lanes, and we both kind of look at each other like, okay. Wow, this is, this is going to be the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That yeah was, but you gave him a good rating. I didn't give him any rating. So okay. I, 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 you I, I would have given him a one. Uh, Fuck him. I feel guilty about doing that. Why? He's a shitty... What do you mean? Guilty, well, guilty for... business owner. He's a yeah. shitty fucking driver. Yeah, it's tough. It is. Then the guy that dropped us off over here almost took off with our luggage. Yeah, that was funny. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's fucking... As soon as we got out of the car. We're like, stop. You know what? I think I, I feel like the only reason why I want to share it is because I've heard so many like, you know, stroke off stories of Uber. Everyone, oh, Uber, Uber. I Everything's know, I, so I Uber good. Experience. So I we have had we this trip because this was the first time. By the way, 
this was the smartest, maybe the smartest call uh, because, you know, Brianna was like, okay, do you guys want me to set you up with your, you know, like you normally do, where we rent a car, rent and, a car and, and, and I'm like, navigate. yeah, I'm like Sal and yeah, I, right? Dude. I'm like Jesus oh, Christ, this yeah. could that could be. You horrific. guys would have been in Mexico, and right? I'd I was like, get you out of you jail know what? Let's just, I got the Uber app on there, and I'll put the company. I card bet it was on. cheaper too if we calculate it. it I think it was, I think, because yeah. it we, I mean, we did end up having to take, you know, what six, six or seven Ubers during the whole trip, so you know, we we used it quite a, but man, it was. It was very efficient as far as time and scheduling and keeping oh, yeah. it easy for Sal and I to not mm-hmm. get fucking lost and all over each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we didn't actually get at each other's throat because I could, <laughs> if we were, if we were as crunched as we were for time, there was never time to fuck around. We had to get from one. Oh place yeah, to you got, can you imagine the, the fights you guys would have had? Yeah, if like somebody was driving and getting oh, lost, oh, I would have been God. so mad at him because he's other. the worst. Navigator, yeah, that's true. Worse, since shot, yeah. he claims shotgun. He falls asleep immediately. When all he gets in the yes, car. calls yeah. shotgun all the time, and yeah. then fucking closes his eyes. Not even gonna deny it. Right. Yeah, not what? even gonna deny it. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I'm first place in that contest. And then I'm driving. Then I'm driving <laughs> I'm and texting. So I'm, between the two, that I mean, we would have been. It would have been. I'm horrible. the best at being the worst. Yeah. In that position. And mm-hmm. then we went to Tom Bilyeu's house. Fucking Mahal. What did it look like? Mulholland Drive, uh, bro. It's a 10 million. Basically, it's a massive mansion. That's a guess. On Mulholland. If I just threw That's that. what a fucking supplement company will buy you. Oh, fuck. Boom. We pull up and there's there's we get dropped off by Uber and we, we're walking down the driveway. There's three uh, valet. valet guys there to valet people's cars when you got you get there. Mm-hmm. You walk through and it's, I mean, it's a mansion. It's a fucking on Mulholland Drive and it's at the top. So it's viewing like, it's got a view of LA. It's Sick. got a Catalina Island in the ocean. Like it's just, it's gorgeous. And But he set up his whole house to for to be to, for work. No way Katrina would fly for oh, this. Oh really? No well, dude his, his nobody none of, no one no one's wives or girls would fly for this. His set yeah. his doesn't whole, surprise me, but dude, yeah. his whole recording set is in his what would be, I guess, a living room. I don't know. And then he's setting up another set somewhere else. And I mean it is a massive house, but could you imagine like you wake up in the morning <laughs> like ah boom, work, wires, cameras everywhere. You yeah, know? yeah. No, it's and he has got dude He's all in. Doug all he, in. he's Mr. All Doug would have been sure. masturbating everywhere all, all over the place. All over the place. That's all I <laughs> Doug just walks in. I mean <laughs> Bro, they, he had cables this thick, you know, like I, I, cables for your 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 TVs and cameras that I, I could just imagine just, what kind of power they gotta be putting right. out for cables that they kind of watts you're putting out. I don't there, think you right? necessarily judge I feel like you the can. effectiveness by the thick. Why would you need it that thick? Yeah, Otherwise, Doug, I think I can. can I? Isn't that a fair assumption? I mean, the thicker the wire, the more power yeah. we're probably trying to run through yeah. this motherfucker. I mean, yeah. isn't that a fair assumption? It's more than 220. That's probably fair. Yeah. Right. Honestly, I don't know. It's, you know, if you got a big bulge in your pants, good chance you're packing, dude. Yeah, if you don't, true. probably not power. so much. That's yeah. true. You got that's some true. power down If you can't there. get it up, then you're screwed. He, so, had a, he had a room, okay, dedicated. Doug would have loved this, too. Like, dedicated to, he had three of the, the biggest. It was like know, a control room where yeah. you're just, you're just controlling the cameras and what angles and all that shit live. Wow. Right and, and they're streaming Sick. on all platforms, like right right there. And you can control all of it, edit it all as as it's going live. So it's I mean he had a he had a fifteen person team. Mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. it, it reminded me a lot. I mean his, it was a movie set. Like it was like a TV intern. Well his yeah. visions, what what he's doing for his company, I feel there's so many parallels to what we're doing. Like when we talk, I love talking to him off camera and air where we can talk <laughs> business and behind the scenes stuff. And a lot of where where he's going, what he's trying to do is very similar to what we are, only we're more niche because it's our fitness, right? 
And talking to him is just fascinating, like where what he's got planned and what he's doing inside mm-hmm. that place. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't, I could, my girl would never go for, it like is 80% bringing of, business into home. Like yeah, that. I mean, you yeah. got, we walk in and there's, there's 15 people. Although, I mean, you could write off. You're probably a good chunk of your house, right? Bro, if you I wonder a, if the company bought the house. If you have a fucking Mulholland Drive house, you're not really worrying about a tax well, write-off by having people in oh, your house. I think, you're, I think <laughs> you're looking at a tax write-off more because he may have his company may have bought the house. He may have used it specifically for business and living there. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, don't know. anyway, it was cool. That's he, a so you got to you get to talk to him a good amount after like behind the scenes. We or? got to hang out with him, and then they had this whole panel that we're talking about this new product, which we're going to interview. Right, uh, we'll, the we'll save all of, that for the we'll, uh, yeah, podcast with them. Huh? Well, but Doctor Drew was there, which was cool. And L- then, let me tell you too, he out of everybody in that time, there's probably 40, 50 people in the audience. There was. Uh, there six, what, people six people on the panel, the- and then there was a bunch of other people working there, right? I would say Dr. Drew, it was really cool to see oh, him. Oh, dude, he ran the whole thing. He just, so charismatic. Not only is mm-hmm. he intelligent, mm-hmm. such a salesman, too. Oh, yeah. Just working the room. He's been in the game for a long oh, time, man, and he, the entertainment He saved game. it, though, dude. He oh, he saved did. it because- there was, there was times where Sal really? and I were like, because we're, we're sitting there, and we're like kind of like side-chattering and stuff's going on, like, I would have totally asked this, or I would have yeah. ch- challenged this, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. or, oh, God, that didn't. why did she say that, or why did he say that? Mm. And Drew, every time- would if so like what we were thinking or saying about oh that wasn't very smart like he would totally cover for that person and it, the uh, way he did it was so smooth and I was like God there's wow. there is a, a a TV celebrity like uh like at its at his work you he's know, just you a performer him. yeah you could see he, him he ironed out all the rough spots yes for people and stuff. very yeah. very smooth uh, so great that, performer and then and then one of my I mean one of the most brilliant minds alive today. Uh, Dr. V. S. Ramachandran, which a lot of people don't. If you don't, if you're not, if you don't know neuroscience or you're not in that world, you don't know who he is. But there's a lot of very fascinating uh, YouTube and TED talks that he's conducted. Um, he's the inventor of the mirror box that solved the problem of phantom limb, which I've mm. talked about on yes, the show. Uh-huh. Uh, a brilliant, brilliant oh, man. Cool. So he was on there. I got to shake his hand, which was like, fuck, Dude, man, I'm cool now. You want to know something funny too? Like talk about like when you're in the presence of someone like that brilliant. So imagine this. He's on a live thing on a panel, right? And he's th- like the, the the scientist on that panel. Now, there's other guys that were brilliant doctors and minds on there, but like, you know, he a lot of this stuff is from his research, his original research. Dude's just absolutely brilliant. He's like got a pen and paper the whole time, and he's like writing and stuff. And I'm like, what is he doing taking notes for that? Well, afterwards, we're talking to Tom, and he's like, oh, yeah, like he won't just sit at a panel like that. And just engage and be present. That like he is constantly like working equations and things out. So why they're on a live feed, you can see him, and he's like working. He's like working out formulas. He's and like shit. Rain Man. Yeah, just, totally. Like he'd say yeah. he, and then they, every once in a while they would like call on him and be like, and then he would answer whatever you know, and and even like the way he answered was so different than everybody else. Like everybody else, you could tell was. You know, there was a little bit of uh, a bias. Yeah, but he was very much like a, what a ver what a, what a scientist with high integrity would would say. So when someone asks a question like, "Is this perfectly safe?" You know, someone selling a product would be like, "Yes, it's perfectly safe," and he's answering like, "Well, we don't we don't all we can never know if it's perfectly sa- safe." But the research show, so far shows this, this, and that. Like he's just a mm-hmm. a pure 
scientist, which uh, again, highly respected individual, right. great guy. Yeah, cool to cool to watch that. And uh, Tom was a great host, man. I had a good time. Uh, I know I'm not a big fan of traveling so much, but I don't mind doing. And it's funny. I like traveling in the sense I like going places and being there, but I hate the process of it all. Mm. And I really hate the f- eating. I hate eating oh, out. Oh, yeah, that's tough. Because it fucks me up, dude. It fucks up my stomach. But uh, You guys take any stuff with you? No, Dude, so uh, I've been, so I switched out my old probiotic uh, for the Organifi one a while ago, and I've been using it. Uh-huh. And it's one of the best ones I've ever used. Like, my gut was totally fine. We ate out. Mm-hmm. We didn't eat bad. I ate healthy. Um, I did have a little bit of bread, which normally would mess me up, and my gut's pretty good uh, as a result. So I'll, I'll tell you yeah, what a was move. a game changer. I did not have my my subs or any of that with me, but what I we had a break before Tom, so we did the two interviews in the morning, and then we had Tom in the evening. We had a about a two and a half hour window, mm-hmm. and uh, I laid down, put the Brain FM in, and the meditation. And I didn't know. I, you said I was snoring, huh? Dude, I didn't know. You I snored, snored every fucking <laughs> night. Well, and I don't snore. Right? I will but I never was share a room with you. Again. Exhausted. I really I was. We've shared a room, and I definitely snore too. So I think the combo, like we just drown each other out. <laughs> Bro, it's he's sawing wood all yeah. fucking night. Of course, hard. I was exhausted. Uh, I, I, Katrina will tell you, like if I'm exhausted, he's on his back. That's it. Yeah, I, I saw yeah, this in my back yeah. for sure. But you know, uh, it was pretty crazy though. It was uh, the Brain FM though. I had this <laughs> knocked him out. Yeah, I knocked out for like thirty minutes. Came to and just felt so refreshed. I was like, "Oh, thank you, Brain FM. That saved power my- it out." Oh yeah, and then I went and had my little bath, and then I was good. yeah, oh, yeah. And then what? he took a bath. <laughs> he's yeah. all literally. He gets up and he's like, "I'm gonna go did, take." Did you draw it for him? He's all, I'm gonna put go some t- candles. Which around. you know what? He's like, "I'm gonna go take a bath." Let me <laughs> like what the fuck? What? You're a grown have, man. I do You're have two dudes. I do have a knock right? for Lux Hotel. Okay, badass. You're talking about like this, you know, four star, five star, whatever place, super bougie, and they're everything's super nice. Their bathtubs are like the fucking four and a half feet by two feet deep, <laughs> and then the the thing only fills up to the the little thing that switches over, and it like so it drains out. So you don't even get your balls wet. So you, my my balls are on, barely man. fucking wet, dude. Yeah. It's like it goes right to my belly button. That's the worst. And I and I if I if I want to get my back wet and lay all the way back down, my feet and ass have to hang up in the air, and I'm like, <laughs> why are we still making bathtubs like this? Like our hum- humans are getting bigger, not smaller. Well, dude. because grown like liability fucking or something. Grown men, six foot three or oh, four, however tall you are, grown men don't draw a bath. That's that's <laughs> a bath in the middle of the day. Well, that's because it doesn't, it doesn't they don't realize the benefits of that. I'm telling you right now, man. You do some Brain FM, get in a nice little bath, and it'll just recharge your fucking day. Yeah, I wow. bet you. I'll t- take anybody up on the Pepsi challenge. And then he's one. in there calling me, Sal. Hey Sal, can you come here real quick? <laughs> hey Sal, come here real quick. Can you get this can for you me? Some chocolate. Totally ignore him. Chocolate. Totally ignore him. Oh God. Mm. Bring on the bird, Douglas. <laughs> Today's Quaz is being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking Quaz. The eagle has landed. Quaz. All right, our first question is from... Sal Mergolo, not fit. Why do we as humans fear change? Even when things in life suck, we are afraid of change. Why is that? 
Change. What's the song? Isn't there a song about change? Change. I don't know. You, get, you name one. <laughs> Come on. I feel like we just made one up Dude, right now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll finish change. it. Change. Yeah. yeah. There it know. is right there. Yeah, sure. Uh, Do you think there's some evolutionary purpose behind yeah, this, Sal, where it's like we are in search of finding our body wanting to be comfortable, our stress levels to be comfortable. We're and always we'll, seeking homeostasis. Right, we're seeking right? homeostasis, and then when we find it, uh, we want to stay there. We want to maintain it. And, and we don't like, want to come out yeah. of it, right? Number yeah. one. Protective of it. Rule number one with evolution is to keep you safe. So better mm. safe than sorry is the rule that we will always, our bodies will always try to live by. Mm. So if you're in a position, or you're in a situation that even if it sucks, but you're not dying, it's safer than taking the chance of change, which in for most of human evolution meant uh, risk, great risk of death. Like if I'm in the cave and I've got you know some shitty food with me, but I look out there and I'm like, man, I bet I could hunt and catch like that delicious meal over there, but then I'm going to have to be around the lions and whatever. The guy who took all the risks, a lot of those people died and didn't procreate. And a lot of the ones that stayed back and were kind of pussies about it, uh, survived. So it's very natural for us to fear uh, any kind of a change at all. It's one of the actually it's one of the most difficult things that we encounter. And it's funny because it's interesting, right? Like how many times like when we manage gyms, I know Adam's gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, Justin, or you too, right? We all worked in gyms, like how pissed off would members get if we moved a fucking machine yeah. like two feet. Oh my God. Like we would move a machine to a different part of the like gym, almost a riot, yeah. and we would get complaints left and right because it's different. Mm-hmm. Because people like things to be in the same place all the time yeah. to be predictable. Just so, yeah. yeah, things have to be predictable, and that's what create that gives us that kind of false sense of, uh, of well, security. Change. I mean, it requires work now to you know ramp up to adapt to this new environment, this new stimulus, whatever it is. It's like. You know, from from that perspective, it's like, okay, great. You know, now I have to figure this out. And and so just for people to be able to uh, get into the place where like, okay, I have everything managed. I have, you know, my body's looking good. You know, everything's going great for me at work and this and that. And then, you know, this new change, this interruption in the process is like, Ah, it's the stress, you know, anxiety sort of just kicks in like immediately. You know, it's such a it's such a life hack for those that put this together early. If you and, and I wish I wish I had someone who mentored me and told me uh, when I was younger because I think for a very uh, large part of my uh, you know growing up I think I avoided change and I didn't like different or challenging myself or taking myself out of my comfort zone and really moving to the Bay Area when I was nineteen was the first real experience where I like took my like intentionally took myself out of my comfort zone and put myself in an environment that I knew I was gonna be uncomfortable and I knew I wasn't really going to like knowing that it would force change and knowing that it would end up forcing growth and it takes one or two times of you really stepping out and doing that before you start to realize holy fuck like the more I do this and the more I challenge myself and the more afraid I am going into it the, the greater the growth and the return is. And then once you learn to hack into that, you begin to seek that. But it's hard because for the, 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 for the most part, 
uh, most of us are, are afraid of that. And so we avoid it. And even if we do kind of do it, we're like tiptoe into it. We, I'm kind of changing, but not really. I'm still trying to stay comfortable when you really should go, I'm going to fucking, I'm all in, I'm all in. I'm going to make this effort to change, do something different. And I feel like it applies to so much in our life. We talk about it with exercise and, and things like that, like forcing yourself out of your comfort zone, it's a, it's amazing the growth that happens it's, from that on so we, many levels. We like things to be predictable. You know what I mean? Like we wake up in the morning, all of us, to wake up in the morning, I guarantee you right now, if I ask you guys, what do you do, what are the first five things you do when you wake up in the morning? It's the five same things that you do every single morning. Mm-hmm. I wake up and, you know, whatever. I take a shit, check my Instagram. I go make my coffee, wake up the kids, whatever. But it's always in that same order. Mm-hmm. Um predictability means safety but it sucks because it does like you said adam it prevents growth Mm -hmm. and um if you if i think back to the the times of my life where i can look back now and say wow that was a great uh time of growth um it was always almost forced upon me you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it was Mm -hmm. almost like i had to to you know like it was like i lost a job or um you know i like you know, I'll never forget when I expanded my business, when I had my wellness facility and expanded my business, I had expanded expanded to a second location and I had just overstretched myself and I had to try to carry the whole thing on my own and it didn't work out. And when I had to shut down that second location, I knew at that moment that I would at some point transition out from the brick and mortar side of fitness. And it was terrifying, but it was also exhilarating. I knew um, that uh, the change would be good for me. So logically, I knew that. But it's terrifying because what's next? Like, what am I going to do next? I'm so used to this particular structure and what to expect. Um, Now, what am I going to do? What am I going to, you know? And it's it's quite empowering to be able to to realize that you can that you can do a lot more. Um, You know, going on vacation with my girlfriend is a great example. She's because she traveled so much with the Cirque du Soleil. So when she was with the Cirque du Soleil, she went from country to country for, I think she was doing it for, I want to say four years or five years, where she would be in a country for two weeks to two months and then she'd move. Mm -hmm. So, you know, imagine that, right? Imagine moving that often and it's to a completely different country, new language. You get really good at it after a while. So the way she likes to travel is she literally likes to book trips and that's it. She'll book the flight. And, and and I'll ask her like, where are we going to stay? What hotel? And she's like, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. And that fucking drives me crazy because yeah. when I travel, Damn, I, have a, unknown, I would have a hard time yeah, doing that. Bro, <laughs> the way I travel, I like to know everything that's going to happen. I like to know where I'm going to stay, who's going to pick us up, where we're going to drive to. And she she wanted to do that. She wanted to do that in Thailand. This is a you know country that I didn't even feel super comfortable going to anyway, mm. uh, even though it's, it's Thailand, just because I've only traveled to like Western European countries. And she's just like, yeah, we don't need to book anything. We'll just we'll just go there and land and and oh figure God. it out. Yeah, and it's like fucking terrifying. But I allowed myself to do a little bit of it. I couldn't do all of it because it would have been too much for me. Yeah, to do a little bit when we travel and. Um, it's actually fucking fun, dude. Yeah. It's actually fun to realize that you can figure things out and do that kind of stuff. But the bad thing about uh, you know being stuck in a situation or being afraid to change is a lot of times it keeps people in horrible situations. Mm-hmm. Like you ever see people in these horrible relationships where it's abusive, whether it's emotionally or physically or whatever, or mm-hmm. a job that just sucks. People, 
that that's the one that really uh, trips me out. People will stay in a job that just sucks for years because they're afraid of the potential of what could potentially happen if they just lapse. Yeah, so they're, they're counting their losses, you know, based off of like, you know, what this means. What does it mean for me to change? What you know, like a lot of times they won't change because, you know, it, it means you have to let like some of these things uh, die. You have to let some of these. Like you have to, you have to like absorb the damage, you know, and you have to, you have to realize, uh, you, you really have to recognize that it's not, it's toxic. It's not working for you. Like that's hard to do on its own is to just identify, uh, a lot of times when it's your environment or, uh, it's something that you're full vested in and it's not, it's not benefiting you. Well, I, I challenge, I mean, you, you say that, I think those are obvious, right? Like the, the, the girl who's in the relationship and the guy's been beating her for two years and it's like, get out of that. What are you thinking? You know, and it's so obvious and even she knows it, but she's not doing it like, yeah. or the friend that is in these, these poor relationships where they tr- treat you like shit. Like those to me are obvious. I think the ones that, uh, people have to look out for, that are harder at the ones where we're very comfortable and we actually enjoy it and we like it. And mm. it's, for example, we talked mm-hmm. to Sal on our trip and I, I explained to you that, you know, I, I stayed in the company oh, yeah, uh, for probably four years. At 24 Fitness? Yeah, longer because I was making six figures. I came and went as I wanted, 401k, benefits. I loved health and fitness. I love people. I mean, I was good at my job and a name for myself like in, in the company it was a pretty cush situation for me. I really, really uh, liked it, but I also wanted more for myself and I knew I was destined for more, but at the same time too, I was comfortable and I, I hung around there for probably four years longer than what I should have because of that. And then afterwards when I think, and really what I went and did afterwards, that's when I transitioned over into the medical marijuana industry, which I don't need. I didn't. That's a big change. Right. A huge change. I didn't end up staying in that, but it was the catalyst that really propelled to where we are now. I mean, there was multiple things in between that, but I, I asked, I have to ask myself like, man, I could have easily stayed and been that person because you know, I had my house. I'm paying my bills. I had freedom. I, I love my job. I, you know, I had all the things that you're supposed to have and be be happy. And I was, but I wanted more for myself. And so I think the people that really have to challenge this are the ones actually that are are. It is good, and you have to truly ask yourself: Do do you want more? Is do, are you wanting more for your life, or do you believe that there's more for you than what you're where you're currently at? And then are you? doing the things necessary to make that change. And more often than not, it's training. Yeah. Like, honestly, like there's so many parallels to, you know, fitness and, and that's, I think that's, that's why like, you know, being growth minded and, um, you know, that, that took work. Like that took a lot of like black eyes. It took a lot of lumps for me to understand how to reframe my thought process when I, when I uh, dealt with change, that's a good that's a good word right there to say uh, is and you've used it before as reframing right is you know people look at something and it's just like oh my god so scary so bad this is just suck it's like it's like no why why is it be so bad why is it be so scary why is it be so risky how about it's like this is going to be an incredible opportunity embrace it and, right. and get Reframe excited it. yeah it, here's a game that I play with myself whenever I'm gonna whenever I'm Pocket trying billiards to, yeah exactly <laughs> when I'm trying to make uh, the quarter decision pocket, pocket. for a big uh, change is I play this game it's the what's the worst that could happen. And then I imagine that the worst thing happened. And then what would I do? Mm. Because I find that the thought 
of the worst that can happen is worse than if it actually did. For example, when I make a decision to start a new business, okay, what's the worst that could happen? It fails. And then what? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't make any money. And then what? Uh, I lose my house and I have to live with my parents. Is that really the most horrible thing in the world you can think of? No, not a big deal. Like if I did that, I could. I know I could get back on my feet. I know I could find a job. I know I could do these different things. And once I become comfortable with uh, the risk of the worst thing that could possibly happen, then the change no longer is a big issue for me. Because now I'm going there going, fuck it. Like the worst thing this thing can throw at me, I can handle. Right. So it's no longer a fear. There's a quote uh, that this reminded me of. It was. It's a very powerful quote that I read a long time ago, um, and every once in a while I like to read it. Um, Here's the quote. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Very, very powerful uh, uh, quote, I think, that kind of connects to this whole changing thing, that sometimes it's more painful to not change than it is to change, so remind yourself of that. Awesome. You're a flower. Quick commercial break, you guys. We keep getting asked all the time, how can I support the Mind Pump family? Here's one of the best ways you guys can. You guys love that Chimera Coffee that we have. Chimera Coffee with a K. You go to ChimeraCoffee.com, put in the discount code Mind Pump for 10% at the checkout. Also, you guys, if you guys have not tried Ben Greenfield's new bars out, they're fantastic. If you want some, go to BenGreenfieldFitness.com forward slash Nature Bite, put in the code Mind Pump and get 10% off. Go check it out. Next up is Johnny Olives. Hey. Hey, Johnny. <laughs> hey, Johnny. I'm all about the olives, eh? Any suggestions for a six-foot-two-inch bodybuilder making a transition into functional training? Wow, do we know anybody that did that? He said he was uh, 215 also okay. in the question. So 6'2". Wow, the- How tall's Ben Pack? Homeboy is like right up my alley right here. This is yeah. two. So six- I feel like this is a question I should answer. Cause <laughs> yeah, you should. Adam, why don't you begin yeah. this since you did this thing, this whole transition yourself? Yeah, I think the the biggest part of the transition will be the mental piece. Um, if you were a bodybuilder like myself, you're heavily focused on building muscle. You're probably attached to that. And, and I mean, just, I, I love being the big dude, man. I like walking in the gym and being one of the fittest, biggest dudes in the gym. It feels good. It feels good to fill out all my extra large and some double XL shirts. Like that's a good fucking feeling. So when you, when you attach yourself to a lot of that, and then you decide you're going to make this transition from being that guy to I'm going to be this mobility guy. There's a lot of things that are conflicting. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be super functional and fit. We've talked about this a million times. Yes, but there is a mental transition that I had to make. And we kind of talked about this in, in previous episodes where, you know, I really taught, like had this self-talk where I was like, okay, don't give a shit if I, if I, like you just said, Sal, about how you, uh, you envisioned the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. That's how I envisioned, like, when I decided to go from bodybuilding to functional training, I said, what's the worst thing that's going to happen, Adam? All, I, I'm going to lose 30 pounds of muscle and then I'll just have to work and get it all. But like, I, I started like telling myself, what is the worst going to happen? I'm going to get skinny and lean. I'm going to lose all this muscle. I'm not going to be as strong. And I started being, but I was thinking, like, okay, but. I'm going to be way more flexible. I'm going to alleviate a lot of the pain. I'm going to I'm going to feel better throughout the day. I'm going to be way more mobile. I'm going to get more out of my exercise. It's like so I started like kind of talking to myself about what to expect and what the worst case could look like and what I was trying to seek out of it and then and then I went to embrace it. I said, "You know what? I don't give a shit if I'm going to look leaner." And then I started going after that with the same type of uh, you know mentality as you you go after bodybuilding with this approach of sculpting the body only 
Now you're heavily focused on moving better, but it has to take those type of priorities. I think the, one of the reasons why you were successful at this uh, is you did not identify with being a bodybuilder. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, and, and here's, this is the trick with, with your body when it comes to training your body. The minute you identify with a particular type of training or a particular type of look, yeah. you're fucked because yeah. now you're going to lose the ability. You limited yourself. Yeah, you're going to lose the ability to have variety in your training. You're going to increase the risk of creating potential problems for yourself, uh, whether it's imbalances or metabolic damage. Like, you know, if I identified so strongly with being super shredded all the time, um, then that means that uh, I'm going to raise my risk of metabolic damage. If you are super identified with being a bodybuilder, then trying to transition to functional training is going to be impossible because you are going to see what you identify with start to change exactly what it's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to change. If you're training in a functional way and not like a bodybuilder, you can expect your body to change. You can expect your movement to change. But if you identified what, if you were identified with what you're at now, no way in hell you're going to let yourself change. What will end up happening is to do, you know, a week or two of functional training, and you'll be like, "Fuck this! I'm going right back to my bodybuilding because my barbell squat, you know, I can't squat as heavy, or my muscles don't look as sharp, or I don't look like a like a, you know, I feel like I'm losing my gains or whatever." You you have to you definitely have to go in with with that in mind that you you can't attach yourself to the way you look right now, and then all of a sudden I'm going to be super functional, right? So. I think, but what's exciting, and I'll tell you, because I'm back on the journey of being a bodybuilder again right now, so I've been training. He lowers his voice when he says right, that. Right. I'm, tra- I'm training to be a bodybuilder again right. right now. So, you know, I'm back up to my 225 range. I came all the way down to about 210 was the lowest I think I got when I was, you know, purely focused on functional training. And there were moments I remember thinking to myself, like, fuck, am I, is it going to be tough for me to get it back? It wasn't at all. It, I mean, it took me took me about a month to get my rhythm back where I was starting to increase my volume. And it took me about two months to really start to see myself growing again. And I'm, I think I'm at month three right now of training, and I feel fucking great. I have better range of motion than I ever had. I'm back to what all my PR uh, weights were and squatting and deadlifting, and I feel better than I've ever felt. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not as... Uh, aesthetically uh, put together as I am when I get a speech, but I also haven't, it's only three months in, you know, give me three more months of sculpting and we'll see where I'm at. So uh, as far as a protocol, I'll give you kind of what I did, even though I don't, I think that there's a lot of individual variants and, you know, this may work for you, may not, but I started off with maps prime. And what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to make like, because I didn't do this before, I'm going to make sure that I every single workout I spend 15 minutes at least on Maps Prime, and I started priming my body better than I've ever primed before. That was the beginning, and I did that for the first couple of weeks of like just just making it a habit for myself that this is now becoming a priority. Where I would, if I only had 40 minutes to work out in the past, I might neglect that priming to make sure I got my bodybuilder lift in because I got I got to hit my muscles and make sure I stay big and muscular. Where now I said, that's not as much of a priority. If I only got 40 minutes to work out, I'm still getting my 15 minutes of prime. That just means I'm only hitting the weights for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. So that's kind of how I started. And I ran that way for probably a good solid month. And then I started to build upon that. And this is kind of where the evolution of Maps Prime Pro came is then I started to implement a lot of the Maps Prime Pro tools that we have in that program on my off days. And so then I would come to the gym and I would actually do nothing but 
my prime and prime pro movements where I'm just focusing on my, my mobility. So, and I started off with that just two times, maybe three times a week. And then it got to the point where I was enjoying the, the progress so much. I started to increase the volume in my functional training, just like I would uh, in bodybuilding. You know, I start off bodybuilding and then I start to get adapted and then I start to increase volume. I did the same thing with my functional training, started off with prime after I was doing that for about a month. Then I started to incorporate separate days by themselves, one or two days a week. And then after that, then before you knew it, I was spending sometimes a week of like all functional type training and then I would just kind of sprinkle squats and deadlifts or overhead press, big compound movements in there to make sure I kept... I do sprinkle squats. <laughs> just to make sure that I kept some of my muscle while I was doing this, knowing damn well that that wasn't the priority, that functional training had now become this. And that was kind of how I managed that. And I was, I mean, it's been almost a year now, would and you guys say? Well, yeah, how long has it been? You did a lot mm. for a while. And there were some pitfalls along the way. Um, you may, maybe cover that a little, Adam. Like, oh, you mean is when I was tra- challenging to see how Yeah, strong, because I think yeah. when you're doing this, when you start to transition, if you make the full transition and you really commit to it, um, you'll see some really uh, promising progress. And you you may be uh, you know you may be motivated to push it yeah push that progress yeah like- I, I, at the beginning I did this a couple times and I learned I learned the hard way um, and I think it was the second second time that it happened to me where I realized okay uh, yeah I need to quit fucking around with who cares about my PRs who cares about how strong I am right now it's not about strength it's about how functional I am and my mobility. And what I was doing was I was I was getting excited because I was okay I was starting to actually put this uh, to practice and after a month's time I was already seeing increased range of motion and I wanted to test it I wanted okay mm-hmm. I got new range found range of motion let's see if I can still squat 400 pounds in that newfound range of motion and that was pretty stupid and I know saying that out loud right now on the podcast sounds really stupid too like Adam you should know better but you know fuck you until you try it and do it yourself it's tempting as fuck to do that because you feel great and you're noticing new things and you know the athlete in me wanted to do that and test it and I learned the hard way hurt myself set myself back again so you know you're gonna have these moments where uh, you start to see that and you're gonna want to do that and I just I just uh, you know stress saying to you that listen don't do that. Continue to work on on the mobility. Keep working on on uh, the newfound range of motion and strengthening that, but doing it right and starting really, really light. Yeah, this always kind of comes back to kind of our core principles, right? It's the said said principles, specific uh, adap- What is it against uh, specific adaptation adaptation opposed demand. demand. So uh, basically, like if you just keep that in mind, always. It, like your body is going to respond very specifically to what you're telling it to do. Like it has to have, um, it's working towards a goal and whatever that goal is and how long you want that goal to, uh, draw out for, like, that's what you're telling your body every day to do. And so, um, you know, if this is your new goal, like just, just focus on that, focus on it, you know, be open to it and, uh, you know, just completely wrap, uh, your entire efforts around this direction. And then, you know, you come back and you introduce another goal. And, and I, and I even say go that way, even with your nutrition, because, um, I saw benefits of that. I was eating lower calorie. And so I noticed that, and I wasn't eating as much carbohydrate. I was doing more of a keto ish type of diet where I was on much higher fat. So I saw inflammation down. So I was doing all of these things that I thought would promote better mobility and, and, and functionality in my body. 
by the way I ate, the way I moved, the way I trained. And I fully embraced that with knowing, knowing damn well that I was going to lose some muscle on the way, but not fearing that, knowing that, hey, listen, I've been doing this my whole life. I can put some muscle back on. And I'm actually extremely surprised on how quick I had told myself that it could potentially take a lot longer than what it has. And I'm, I'm back to uh, feeling pretty damn good. And I would say, like, looking at my physique, if I'm being completely objective, I would say I'm probably three months out from having my body look ready for a, a pro show in men's physique. You know, if I'm being completely honest, like, I mean, I could technically get on a stage in yeah, four me, weeks. Me and too. <laughs> no, I just think that's totally. it. If you got a bodybuilder, I know these are got to be the things that are probably spinning around in his head. That's that he's concerned about. And you know, if you really, really want to make an effort to do this, don't freak out, man. You'd be surprised how fast you could get that muscle right back. And this time around, uh, moving a lot better. H. MEZ4. What do you think about deload weeks and do you implement them into your own routine? This was a question that uh, Jay asked Sal and I. Yeah, on uh, Renegade Radio. So, so deload weeks are very important. They should be scheduled uh, into your routine. And so they, and they should be scheduled right after you start to hit a peak. Not when you start to notice a decline in performance. I know a lot of people will do a deload week when they notice that they're plateauing mm-hmm. uh, or their body stops responding. At that point, it's kind of too late already. You've already now you got to kind of fight uh, go fight an uphill battle because your body now is starting to regress. Um, when we design ma- our maps programs, they're all phased, and there are no deload weeks in there because phasing your workouts really means you don't need to do a scheduled deload because the target adaptation changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our, our phases last anywhere between two to four weeks, depending on the program. We know, and studies will show, that adaptation really settles in around four, around week number four. And so most of our programs will phase you out of that before that. So I used to do this problem all the time. Like I'd go hit a new PR in a deadlift, and the following week I'm like, oh, dude, I, I know I can get into the five or 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'd push and try and squeeze out another five or 10 pounds. And inevitably, I would set myself back or I would sometimes even injure myself. Mm-hmm. In reality, that's the best time to do a deload. Like I just hit a PR. Now next week is going to be an easier workout or a change yeah, of change adaptation. Of focus. And I think too, even I've seen people use our Maps Anywhere program for this to kind of focus a little bit more on body weight training and go through a period of that. Even if you need like a little bit more of a transition away from loading your body constantly. So, you know, like we, we do have it planned out. So the adaptation is something completely different that you're going to step into, which, you know, it's another uh, ramp up phase. So you're going to go into this new adaptation with a little bit lighter load and kind of ramp back up with a new focus. However, some people have found benefit too using uh, that method. Yeah. Now, I, I would like to hear you guys share, you know, because what I'm thinking right now too, like with all the people we've trained, you know, how often did you actually have to schedule a deload for clients? Was this something that you had to do on a regular basis or was it more rare that that was even necessary to do this that? This is more for the athletes that, that I used to train that would, would aggressively get through these workouts and I would I would literally have to like put them on a deload. Right. Uh, I, feel, I feel like I can only count maybe but, a handful yeah, of people they were rare that were so consistent and, and hardcore about their training that I needed to have them back off. Mm-hmm. I felt that most people, um, 
find enough excuses to back, back yeah. off of training that yeah. uh, scheduling in a deload. I mean, it, it's crazy how many people I, I, it's rare to find somebody who can follow a actual program to a T for, you know, six to well, 12. These are these. I, I feel like this question is is most appropriate for people that like still max out in their workouts. Yep. Right. Mm. And so they're they're already recognizing that their body's taking on damage constantly and they haven't caught up yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, ideally, OK, ideally speaking, if you can be very objective and read your body very well, you'll know when to deload. You'll know when to set up a deload and when to come out of a deload. Here's the problem. The problem is we're typically pretty shitty at being objective about ourselves. So when I trained clients, I was an excellent trainer at identifying this stuff. So I never had to have a scheduled deload because I could tell when I'm training my client that, oh, it looks like this workout's going to be easier. It looks like we're going to drop the intensity here. It looks like we're going to raise the reps or Mm -hmm. lower the weight or raise the weight. Now, I would do scheduled deloads for myself because I was terrible for myself, because for whatever reason, and all the trainers listening, I know you guys can connect with this. For some reason, you assume that you're you don't the rules don't apply to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm different. I'm a trainer. Well, you press can... the boundaries further than you would with your client. Absolutely. So uh, that's when I would have to schedule them for myself, and that's why the programs, the maps programs, have scheduled phases. Ideally, you would be able to know when you would en- exit phase one and move into phase two and exit phase two, move into phase three. Unfortunately, it never works out that way. Most people need someone to tell them or have something structured so that they move out uh, out of a phase uh, when, it's, when it's ideal. Because like I said, when, you, when it's time to move out of a phase of training is right around the time you feel best in that phase. So I'll give you an example. If I start... Uh, a phase three of like MAPS Anabolic. We'll use that example because that's the most common MAPS program people enroll in. So phase three of MAPS Anabolic is uh, what we call sarcoplasmic hypertrophy or chasing the pump. So the reps are much higher. There's a lots of supersets. So it's a faster pace. You're doing supersets. You're doing higher reps. And the goal is to get this crazy pump. Now, the first week you do this phase because you're transitioning from phase two, the first week you do phase three sucks. You go into phase three and it's exhausting. Uh, you're burning out. Your weight, you're going to have to drop the weight considerably. You're breathing really hard. You're like, oh my gosh, this is fucking terrible. This is so hard. By the time you get to week two, you start to feel better and you're like, okay, I'm starting to get the hang of this. still feels terrible, but I'm starting to get the hang of it. By the time you get to phase three, you're like, fuck yeah, this feels great. I'm getting crazy pumps. I've got all the stamina. I feel awesome. That's when you switch out of phase three. Now, most people at at that third week would be like, awesome, I'm going to keep doing this phase now because I feel so great. And then they would wait until that phase three stops producing results. And by that point, now you've gone too far. Now you got to kind of back out of it. Now, that being said, I think there's there's a ton of individual variants like yes. that somebody um, – and, and uh, using this exact sa- example – I typically stretch my phase three in our programs out to four to five weeks because I just respond well. I continue to grow. Um, I don't take on a lot of damage because it's high reps and and lower weight. I feel like my body can handle uh, that longer before I have to transition out and I still can see gains. Mm -hmm. Now, that's me personally, right? And I don't share that a lot on the show because we recommend to everybody to follow the program to a T the first time you go through it. But these are the ways that you can kind of play with that. But that's why we we kind of on all the programs we bode on the or we lean towards the lighter side of like the three to four week range when some people may be able to stretch it as far as five or six weeks. But we know for sure 
that's enough time for them to get some of the major adaptation benefits. Exactly. And so we know we're getting the peak of it. Some people may be able to ride that peak a little bit longer, but we know they've got most of the max benefits and it's definitely a time for them to transition out and they're going to continue to see benefits that way. So that's why we lean more that way. Yeah. But you got to be careful too, because you're going to find a favorite phase of training. Well, that, And that's what's most common, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'll, like I'll stay in phase one for fucking oh months my God. My because God. I love that phase one. I love heavy lifting. I love yeah. high volume, low rep, you know, sets and it's my favorite thing to do and uh, I'll ride that shit for way too fucking long and start to get negative results. So. And your joints start hurting. And yeah. Start, and that for sure, that's the one that I think a lot of people get stuck in that. Exactly. Quick commercial break. Hey, people ask us all the time how they can support Mind Pump. Here's what you can do. Uh, you can go to www.brain.fm forward slash mind pump and get 20% off Brain FM for meditation or focus. You can also go to audibletrial.com forward slash mind pump and get a 30-day trial plus one free audio book. Lastly, you can go to getnatureblend.com forward slash mind pump and you will get a discount on Ben Greenfield's CBD product. Next up is Hassan M. Amun. Both arms are the same strength, but his left arm is significantly smaller than his right. Have you seen this before, and how do you go about correcting this? Yeah. Not only Stop jerking off. have I seen this before, <laughs> but this is, really com- this is actually really common. Um, I used to get clients all the time and it's it's very normal too right so we're nobody is perfectly symmetrical on on the left and the right side nobody is as much as they want to be and say they are that nobody's perfectly symmetrical now that being said there are a lot of different things that can be contributing to this um especially when you're talking about like the biceps right you're uh, you can be overcompensating on one side more than the other. You can have a more dominant hand and you don't even realize it, but you tend to use it more when you're doing things that uh, require more strength. You know, if you have a strong hand and you go to pick something up that only requires one hand, you typically lean and grab that with what? Your strong hand that's already developed. So, mm-hmm. uh, and when you add that up over years and years and years, and we talk about we, the importance of frequency yeah. all the time. Or just that low to moderate dose of, you know, intensity that you're constantly doing more on one side. So, you know, you're, you get, you're getting that sort of muscular development. But meanwhile, when you go to do like a, a full, like, loaded strength with both arms like a like an exercise with both arms you you maintain that same uh that same strength on both sides but you know it's more central nervous system that's you know at play there versus like the constant uh right. pump that you're, you're you're giving one side and i tend to switch clients over to uh a lot of unilateral movements mm-hmm. um and then what i do is i have them start with the weaker side so let's say you're going through one of our maps programs um, and this is, again, where we encourage people to modify and mold. So let's say the we're going to use, okay, we'll use arms because that's what it, what it is. Um, and there's a barbell row in, our, in all of our programs, right? So barbell row is in there. That person, I may have them do a dumbbell row. And they'll do a single arm dumbbell row in replace of that movement. And then I'm going to have them start on the weaker arm. And so let's say they're in a phase where we call for 10 reps. 
I'm going to say start with the weaker arm first, and our target is yeah, 10 reps. I do the same thing. And then they, they get to 10 reps, and they stop. Mm-hmm. Or let's say they can only get to nine with good form. I have them stop at nine, and then the other arm, I mirror that, even though they could probably do 11, 12, or 15 reps with the stronger arm because it's, it's that much stronger than the other side. So I'm always going to start with the less dominant. The minute that form – and so – that's and the important piece is that when you got to notice when the form starts to break down. So if we're imagining you doing a dumbbell row with your right arm right now, and I'm thinking about you rowing, and at like you can get ten out, but at seven and eight, form starts to break down. You got to stop right there. Well, this would make sense, but he's saying that he has the same strength on both sides. So you know, it's more like. I'm trying to think like from more of a, a, a muscular development side. Obviously, it's going to take trigger work. sessions. Yeah, do trigger, trigger sessions, sessions on the yeah. smaller arm. Yeah. It's a, it's a very uh, this is an easier fix than having a difference in strength. Yeah, uh, if it's believe it or not, if it's as smaller in size on your off days, do trigger sessions for the smaller arm. Get a little bit of of a pump in it um, for five minutes. You know, three right. times Build a day. Build up your frequency mm-hmm. in that. Well, side the, specifically. the the reason why I was using a, a row as an example is, and because a lot of times people like, so he thinks that they're the same strength because maybe he does dumbbell yeah, curls. I know where yeah. you're going. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's compensating he's, on the bilateral movement. Yes. So he thinks that he's the same strength, but mechanically he's probably got something on like his big movements, like back and chest and other movements like that where one side the stronger side is overcompensating and so he's getting less development in these secondary yeah, muscles that would make way more sense it's yeah. i bet it is i mean yeah. that, for me and in my experience all the clients that i've trained that have a if a visual difference there's normally a mechanical difference too that, that is caused yeah. that very few people are born genetically with a big way bigger bicep than the other if it's enough to where you can see it with your own eye or even measure it with a tape measure then there's probably some sort of dysfunction or mechanical breakdown in some of your big motor movements and so then again this is why i know you said biceps but i used Mm. back as an example because you know this guy when he does a barbell row with both arms doesn't even realize it but he's getting way more he's generating out of the side that's more dominant and looks bigger and he doesn't even realize it because he's using both Mm. both sides at the same time do you guys know why um one of the prevailing theories as to why humans have a preference to one hand or the other so this is fascinating. I would, I would think it has something to do with the brain and at which side the brain. Well, there's that, right? So we know why because the the left the left hemisphere of the brain um, is the one that controls certain functions, and so they think that's why most people are right-handed. But why are we right or left-handed? And one of the theories I thought I found this fascinating is because uh, of all of all animals on Earth, humans do some pretty spectacular things, uh, and one of those things that we do is we throw with incredible accuracy, better than any animal uh, on earth, we can throw with incredible distance and, and absolute accuracy. And we probably evolved this skill from spear because we were hunters. Hunting. Yeah. And because it was so important to our survival and our evolution and our ability to, to make tools that we can throw and take down animals much larger than us. And it became more efficient to evolve this, to be able to get the skill on one side of our body versus gener- you know, having all these resources go to developing this on both sides. Although sometimes that exists as well, and if you practice mm. with both sides. But it's just more efficient to pick a side and then master. Because people don't realize this. When you throw something, I actually watched a documentary on this. When you throw something, the math and physics involved that your brain has to calculate to 
know how to throw it with the right distance when something's running and traveling to be able to hit it at the right angle, whatever. It's pretty fucking phenomenal. Yeah, that we're able the math increases when you're trying to catch it. It's incredible. It's, crazy. it's very yeah. predictive. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, a major league baseball player can throw a 90 mile an hour. Yeah. I mean, fastball with ridiculous accuracy. And so they think that's why humans have this. Mm. I, I can see that. I mean, that theory makes sense. Like people naturally gravitate to one side. Uh, babies do it. Yeah. You yeah. can tell when babies do, will play. I mean, we used to do a, um, like, so if you brought somebody who's never wakeboarded, never snowboarded, never did anything like that before, we would do a, a test with you where we just, you have you stand on a ledge and then we push you and we don't tell you we're going to do that. And you just, you pay attention to <laughs> what foot you step forward with first. When they break their legs. You'll not, yeah. you'll, You'll naturally right away go to your your dominant your dominant side will stay behind and your weaker side will come forward and so you right away can tell if that person's regular or goofy foot mm-hmm. and you, they can have never read a, a skateboard snowboard or any of those things before but they'll have a natural right away they'll step in the direction. Mm-hmm. So, so you- my question is I I I read something somewhere I don't know if this was a legit study or not that like predominantly like most psychopaths were left handed. Uh, creative people um, are a higher pro- a higher proportion of them are left-handed than the normal population, <laughs> and uh, yes, I think you're right. And I think people with uh, mental disorders, <laughs> but there rapists. is a strong correlation, and also highly uh, certain certain types of science. There is a strong correlation with uh, creativity and mental illness, mm. also. Mm. So, and I, and you kind of see that with like musicians and artists a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can see that. We're also one-eyed. Uh, a lot of people don't know that too. Like if you are aiming at something, you tend to favor an eye that you'll look through. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So, and it's all mm. at all. I mean, the theory is more clarity on one side. Uh, it's just your brain will process it better. Processes on that and side. it's all goes again. It goes to that theory of like, hmm. we evolved, uh, developing these skills to be able to throw with accuracy so we can, that's hunt. weird. If, you, if I close my eye, I feel like I do favor my left eye a little yeah. bit more. And I think I don't look this up, but I think that's the case. I think if you're right-handed, you typically are left eyed which again if you're throwing yeah, that sounds funny again if you're throwing because well, yeah, you're looking across right if you're throwing yeah. with your right your left hip is forward so you could generate power right stepping yeah. forward yeah, so yeah. you're probably gonna look with your left and throw with the right i don't know about that one i don't look that one up but that one kind of well now that's interesting because right now. now that's funny because um when i shoot a gun i i have to totally like think about which one i'm supposed to close yeah, close my right eye and it's con- it's confusing for me because i shoot from the opposite side that i actually um, use as dominant for me yeah. so that's that makes a lot of sense now because when i go to these shooting ranges i always have to like are you you're left-handed right yeah i am for sports and if i were to throw a spear throw a throw a ball it all come from my left but then i do all my finesse things with my right so I write with my oh, right. Really? I brush my. Me with his right I hand. brush my teeth with my right. I eat with my right. So all all finesse. So you're I do. ambidextrous. Yeah, that, I guess kind of, but I can throw. You're I mean, by-handed. He's a. Yeah, I mean, I could throw right. with my, I can throw with my right, probably as good yeah, as you I, could throw with your right. So, I mean, you guess you could call me ambidextrous. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks, Adam. Hey, check it out. Go to mindpumpmedia.com and enroll. In our 30 days of coaching, it costs exactly $0. It's free. Also, if you go to YouTube, That's too much money. our channel is Mind Pump TV. We post a brand 100% new video. 100% money back guarantee, though. A, uh, a yeah. brand new video every single day. Seal. Finally, if you want to ask us a question that we answer on an episode like this one, the place to ask it on is Instagram, and the page to ask it on is Mind Pump Media. 
We also have personal pages. My page is Mind Pump Sal. Justin is Mind Pump Justin. And Adam is Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. Mind Pump.